Super Talk Mississippi media production. Celebrating the people who make coastal Mississippi a great place to live, work, and play. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by the South Mississippi Boat Show, Friday, April 29th through Sunday, May 1st. And by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View. I hope you're having a great day. This is the show that every single day celebrates the people who are making coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. And one of those people is Jeff Duncan, my friend from uh, NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. He's actually coming to us live from the Zurich Classic today over in New Orleans. Uh, we're doing a pre-recording of this show so that we can fit in his busy schedule. But we'll talk about the latest about the Saints. Uh, we can talk generally about the Pelicans because uh, they'll be they'll be into it pretty good by the time this airs on Friday. And also, we'll talk about the Zurich Classic. I mean, what's going on there? But anyway, before we go any further, how you doing, my friend? Doing good, Ricky. It's uh, beautiful weather over here. EPC of Louisiana looks outstanding for the golf tournament. So it's a busy week in New Orleans. We've got French Quarter Fest downtown. We've got the Pelicans in the playoffs. Saints getting ready for the NFL draft. And of course, the golf tournament. So a lot to, lot to talk about. Uh, lot, uh, so much to talk about. I went for my morning run this morning, and it was just so cool and crisp. It was just a beautiful morning. Uh, gosh, I, I didn't want to come in to be honest with you. It's just so so pretty outside. Um, hey, let's uh, let's talk about Dessert Classic for a second. Um, so, what are the give give us an idea of the big names that are that are golfing this year? Well, they got five of the top top six players in the world this year. Might be the best field they've ever had. Scotty Scheffler, number one ranked player in the world, who just won the Masters, is here. So he'll be a headliner, of course. And then they've also got uh, Colin Morikawa, the number two player in the world, who's already won twice on the PGA Tour. Uh, Sergio Garcia, an old school guy coming in, who's obviously a very famous uh, golfer in his own right. And then the guy that I'm really interested in watching is Cameron Smith. He's Australian. He was part of the team that won last year's tournament. And he's ranked number four in the world right now and has been playing very well in almost every event. So... A lot, of, a lot of get names that might not be familiar to some of the uh, just casual sports fans, but in the golf world, uh, all the rising stars on the tour are going to be here this week. Yeah, for anyone for anyone who just watched the Masters, you know those names well. You know, what's interesting, what is it about the Zurich Classic that each year seems to get a little bit more solid in terms of its ability to, to attract those top players? Well, players love playing here, first of all, in New Orleans, Ricky. The tournament does a great job of kind of uh, meshing the nightlife of New Orleans with the tournament. So there's a lot of great food and drink uh, opportunities for the players. They can get out, get at some of the nice restaurants early, get back home and still get in bed in time to get up for the tea time. They bring a lot of events here to the tournament itself on site over here in Avondale, uh, you know, across from the West Bank. And then I think also the team format has attracted a lot of players. They're interested in competing in the President's Cup, the Ryder Cup at the end of the year. They like to get some practice in playing with the teammate the way this new team format is set up. So interesting. Again, great weather to get started. And, uh, you know, I've been there. I know I know how the city rolls out the red carpet for this group. And, uh it, it makes a lasting impression. It's, again, it's so much. But they love the food. They love the way that they're treated. It's just a it's it's a great opportunity to compete, but also kind of enjoy their time here, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little more laid back than the 
than the normal PGA tournament. Look, there's still eight point three million dollars in purses here. It's one of the it's one of the more lucrative events on the PGA tour. The the winning players, each each teammate gets over one point one million dollars. So it's a big time opportunity for them. But I think also they get to enjoy themselves. A lot of the players end up staying in like uh, houses, Airbnbs, uh, with their caddies. They make it into a fun kind of a team event. And I think that's attractive to a lot of players. And lastly, the Zurich uh, company itself, the, the title sponsor, is just outstanding. They really do a good job of investing in this tournament and bring a lot of local charity dollars to uh, local causes here in the region. Well, I see you have your master's uh, jacket on. And what's interesting about uh, you you uh, you cover the Saints, you cover the Pelicans, you cover LSU, you cover sports in general, you pay close attention to horse racing, and you're kind of a golf aficionado. So how do you find time to keep track of everything? I like it. I like having – it's refreshing as a writer to be able to take on different subjects, different uh, sports. To me, it keeps me fresh. So I'm not just drilling down on one sport all the time, one team. It gives you, I think, a refreshing uh, perspective on things. And, you know, today we're going to talk to Sam Burns, the former LSU star, who's ranked himself in the top 15 in the world. So I'm really interested. He's from up in North Louisiana. Uh, I love diving into how he's doing and seeing, uh, you know, how he relates to coming back to the home state of Louisiana after being at the Masters a week ago and, so I, I love that, you know, and I really enjoy it. Now, I'm probably not as proficient in this field as I am, say, at the NFL, just because of my years of experience. But nonetheless, uh, it's exciting to me to be out here. Hey, Jeff, one of the things my son Jordan points out is that the PGA has all of its, its sort of its approach. It's, it's, its approach, and it's always had this approach. And he wonders if they're gonna if they're going to try to unleash it a little bit so that they can draw more young people into it. One of the things, like, for example, that, that Jordan talks about is, well, you think they'll ever consider miking up the players so we can hear what's going on during, during the golf to try, to try to personalize a little more, get us, get us into the game a little bit more because so many of these golfers are so almost like servant-like when it comes to their approach to golf, and we want to, we want to feel more of the personality. You hear people talking about that? I haven't heard that, particular, but I have heard some of the some of the interest in trying to appeal to a younger audience. I mean, one of the things they do here that is unique on the tour and attracts, uh, I think, a younger demographic is they have walk-up music uh, on the first tee uh, on the weekend. So players have, like, live music that they are introduced to the crowd, and they get to collect the music they want. Well, oftentimes the music reflects, you know, their homeland or their, you know, wherever they're from. Or some something about their past, and it gives you a little bit of an insight into their character and their personality, like you said. So I think more things like that certainly would help. Uh, but as you know, PGA golfers are very routine-oriented and very intense on the course. So I think it would be a leap right now, at least, to get them mic'd up. But I could see that down the road because I think it would certainly open up some more uh, avenues for new fans. Yeah, I, I agree. I, 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 my first reaction to him when he said it was, "You will never see that happen because that's just you know golf, you know, is the way it is." Um, 
The other thing, you'd have to do tape delay of some sort because the reality is, as as we already know, as we already know from watching the live events, they can get pretty spicy at times. Because again, it's like you said, they're incredibly, incredibly competitive and incredibly focused, and uh, they get angry at times when things don't play the way they want them to. And so we already we're already seeing a little bit of that, aren't we? Well, I mean, we see in the NFL. NFL does that mic'd up. Uh, they usually pick a player and the head coach, and there's a delay. I mean, they don't. They, they'll obviously play something back a half hour later as the producer got a chance to edit it, put it on, so it's uh, family oriented. So I don't think it would be any different than, than what we see in the NBA or the NFL. Yeah, it would be very interesting to see if we can pull that off. Hey, listen, uh, we got the Pelicans are are in a seven game, uh, you know, playoff opportunity now. And I, I mentioned to you before we started the show that Chris Paul's kind of this this ghost that won't go away for for the Pelicans, but he's it's amazing that his staying strength that he has in the league, isn't it? Yeah, he's in his upper thirties now, still going strong. And game one, really, he won that game for the Suns when the Pels had gotten back into it. He took it over, and uh, look, he's one of the all time greats, one of the greatest point guards to ever play in the league. And I think he's on a mission. Uh, he's one thing missing from his resume is an NBA championship, and uh, you can just see it in his eyes. I mean, he's locked in, and he's the true leader of that team. And I think they're going to be very difficult to beat. Uh, I think they're the favorites to win the NBA championship. They're deep, they're talented, they've got size inside, they've got depth, well coached by Monty Williams. And when you have a floor leader like Chris Paul that can take over a game the way he can, still, uh, I think they're going to be a difficult out for anybody. And and look, the Pelicans at this point, Ricky. All land yet for them. I, in my opinion, this is just great experience and fertilizer for future uh, their future success. Getting this kind of big game, uh, high profile experience. Yeah, we got a lot of young players. The pickup of CJ McCollum was a major pickup, as you pointed out, even more so than they expected. Um, you, one of the things that was impressive about, especially that last play-in game, was the the full court press, like it was all the whole game. I mean, I've never seen the amount of energy and in, and in defense and offense. And I mean, just the amount of just energy on the, on the court. We've never seen that from a Pelicans team before. Have we? Well, no, I mean, they, they definitely have turned it up and you have to, I mean, they know they're outmanned in this game. So they're not as talented. They're not as experienced or as deep as, as the sun. So they know they've got to give that kind of energy and try and, uh, steal a game here or two. I think they're up against it in this series, but I like what I saw in game one. They didn't fold once they got down. That's encouraging. Okay, so here we, we're going to we're gonna uh, bring this session, uh, this first sec- segment to a close, but when we come back, we're going to talk about all these different mock drafts. Saints are coming into the NFL draft. They've been a little bit quiet. We'll get the latest from Jeff and see uh, where, where he thinks we're going from here. We'll see you after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Supertalk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View with Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. Uh, Jeff, man, when you go on now and do a search about the Saints, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of fodder there. People have all their theories. But one of the things that keeps sticking out is the Saints are obviously going to at least strongly consider targeting a wide receiver. But as you pointed out, they always position themselves. So when they get to the this point, they can they can take the best scenario. What are you hearing these days? Well, not hearing a lot, to be honest. They, they're playing their cards close to the vest. The, the coaching staff was on vacation all last week, so really everybody was laying low. Uh, they were all back in the office this week to begin their final draft preparations uh, for the draft, and so they'll be locked and loaded. You're not going to hear a lot coming out of Saints camp. Mickey Loomis will have a he has he has to meet with the media uh, at some point before the draft, so we'll get a chance to visit with Mickey. But I've been in a million of those pre-draft press conferences with Mickey, and he doesn't say anything. <laughs> so <laughs> don't expect any kind of uh, insight or uh, direction. What, what they're going in. The truth is, Ricky, they don't really know either. I mean, people like to think target players, and sometimes that is the case if they feel like there's a guy they want to get. For the most part, they put themselves in a position to be flexible. They put themselves in position to see how the board falls. So much is out of their hand. Circumstances of the draft before them, I and mean, the Saints' first pick is going to be number 16. So there's a lot can happen. A lot of surprises. Teams can trade up ahead of them. Teams can trade down. Uh, so it's impossible to know what's going to happen. It's just impossible. So, it, it, you know, they do themselves, I think, the best they can to try and be flexible and take advantage of their position, and they'll have a cloud of players, uh, you know, what they call a bullpen, maybe a handful of players that they think will be there at number 16, and uh, if, say, somebody in their top of their board, the top 10, top 5 of their board starts to drift down and is available at number 12 and they're at 16, then they might trade up, try and get that top 5 player. Uh, if it's not, they might trade down. I mean, there's just so many things that, that you can't say days ahead of time because so much is out of their hand. Well, listen, for people who haven't heard you and I talk about this before, let's spend a minute and and talk about why the last few years the draft has been different for the Saints, their ability to really dig deep into the, who's available and, and be able to you know determine who they want and how they rate their players. They've really improved their ability to identify stars, haven't they? Well, Jeff Ireland runs the draft. He's been doing it now since about 2016, and he's one of the best in the league. And look, the Saints board will be different than other teams' boards. Uh, the Saints, the way they've stacked the draft board, they may have 120 players out of, I think this year there's around 13, 1,400 draftable prospects. There's more players than we've had in, in any year I can remember because of the COVID rules in college football that allowed more players to stay play an extra year, get an extra COVID year, if you will. There are way more prospects, but the Saints are very judicious in who they pick. They fit their team, their system, their character evaluations, all those things. They'll get it down to like 120 players, and that's it. They won't consider drafting anybody that's not among those 120 players. So it really does narrow the field down, and that 120 that the Saints have is different than maybe the Dallas Cowboys or the Tampa Bay Bucks have. Every team is different, and this year more than ever, I think, the top of that board, the top 20, 25 players the Saints have, 
will be completely different than most teams in the league. Kind of a wide open year. Uh, there's not a real consensus on the top players in this draft. There's not, uh, you know, a Trevor Lawrence at the top of the draft. The number one player right now that a lot of people have is eight budget Michigan. And there's a lot of teams that wouldn't have him in their top ten. That's how crazy it is. So I think this year more than ever, we're going to see a lot of movement, a lot of trades, a lot of chaos. A lot of chaos is going to be fun to watch, actually. <clears throat> you know, um, there's a good chance, though, a really good chance that a really, at least a tantalizing quarterback could be available. And the Saints haven't picked a quarterback in the first round in a long time. What you're thinking that we may be looking, at least in that first pick, a, a quarterback? Well, Jeff Ireland's made it clear what he likes in a quarterback. He likes guys uh, that have been team captains, multi-year starters, have incredible stats, a lot of experience from big-time programs. So that really narrows the field down a little bit, I think. And the guy that I know that they really have interest in Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh, but they're not alone. I mean, he's the number one-ranked quarterback in this class. Broke all Dan Marino's records at Pitt. That speaks for itself. Uh, he's a strong leader. Everything I've heard about him off the charts. I don't know why he's not ranked higher than he is. Uh, I don't see why he would not be ranked higher than, say, Zach Wilson last year for Brigham Young. In my opinion, he's a better prospect. I think he's going to be a terrific pro. The question is, where does he go in the draft? Saints even have a chance to pull the trigger on him. He may go in the top 10. There's so many teams that need quarterbacks ahead of the Saints. Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons, NFC South, both need quarterbacks. Pittsburgh Steelers are desperate for a quarterback to replace Ben Roethlisberger. They might trade up ahead. So, like I said, so much can happen. It could be out of the same hands that any picket could be long gone by the time they're on the clock. Hey, one thing is for sure, and we've, we've talked about this to some extent, but wide receiver in the league today is a much more valuable position than it used to be. And, you know, for, for a host of reasons. Um, and that, and whereas we used to be talking about running backs, I saw what we talked about was running backs and every now and then you talk about it. It's just the opposite these days. That's the way it's going to be from now on, isn't it? Yeah, it's a passing league, quarterback driven league. And you have to have more than just one great receiver. The saints have obviously the number one guy and Mike Thomas, they need number two and number three. They have some decent players on the roster that man that role in the past. But I think they'd like to upgrade a little bit there with some more speed. So if the Saints go in that direction, uh, I think they'll try and find a complimentary receiver to Mike Thomas, a guy that can kind of take the top off the defense and get downfield, take advantage of that powerful right arm that Jameis Winston has, a guy that can run after the catch. That's another valued trait that the Saints probably lack right now that among the receivers. But there's a lot of good receivers in this draft. I don't think they have to get one in the first round. I think they could use their second-round pick or even a lower pick and get a really good receiver to compliment Mike Thomas. So we'll see how the draft falls. There's about four elite receivers, maybe five. They're going to go in the top 25 picks, and we'll see how they fall off the board once they once the draft gets started. It's going to be so interesting. Hey, by the way, I can't help it. I keep reading the news coming out of Cleveland. Just when you think there's been uh, enough turmoil there, they now have more turmoil. Um, I, and not, not necessarily related to, to their quarterback selection, but man, I mean, I'm glad we don't have a lot of noise at the Saints. I mean, we're, th right now the team and the, and the ownership and the management are, they're really focused on, on building a strong team. And there's not a lot of controversy around the Saints these days. That's good to see, isn't it? Well, it's always been their kind of their MO. They try and eliminate those distractions. 
one of the things they do is put a high character, um, you know, high premium on character and maturity and their player personnel acquisition. They don't have a lot of issues off the field. That's why that arrest this, um, uh, this earlier this year of Alvin Kamara was so uh, kind of out of character and out of the method of operation of the Saints, so unusual for them. Uh, that's, uh, I think, uh, goes a long way toward uh, success in the NFL over the long haul. You're going to have some isolated incidents, but if you can reduce those occasions, uh, <laughs> certainly make a better track record for success. Hey, we don't have much time left, but I wanted to ask you, is there anything new about the possibility that you might be working with Steve Gleason on a book? Yeah, I think so. I think by the next uh, time we do uh, our podcast, I'll have a final word on that, but it's very positive right now, Ricky. We're, we're very excited, trending in a very positive direction, and um, let's hope we get some news next week. I think we will. Well, what what's exciting about it as a former publisher, and I've, I've watched this kind of offline with you, and I won't reveal anything specific, but the fact that some of the best book publishers in the country have been interested, what's, what's cool about it is it's not a book. While there's sort of an underlying message about ALS, and obviously that's that's a lot of what Steve's story is, what's more important is how Steve chose life and how he's absolutely getting the most out of life, even in his current state. And that is, that's the determined direction of this book. Otherwise, it ain't happening, right, Jeff? Look, it's a story of resilience and hope and the human spirit, the power of the human spirit goes far beyond football, far beyond just ALS. And thankfully, gratefully, the publishers that we're talking to recognize that. They want to tell the same story that Steve and I do. And I think it'll be a very powerful, compelling story once we get to that point and be able to put it on paper. Hey, so when you get off the, when you get off the radio with me now, uh, what happens? You just start, uh, you're going to go observe some play or where do you go from here? Well, today's exciting because we've got Sean Payton coming out to play in the Celebrity Shootout. Mario Davis is going to be playing. I can't wait to see his golf swing. And we've got press conference all day advancing the tournament. Sam Burns, some of the top players in the country, in the world, frankly, will be here today. And I'm going to get out and walk the course in this beautiful weather in the sun and uh, get a little extra time. The course looks good. Amazing. It looks, yeah. Look, it's windy. It's going to play with the players. It's going to be windy all week. But the sun is going to be out. Really no hint of rain, just a lot of wind. Yeah, that's great. Hey, listen, this has been Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. Have a great day at the Zurich Classic, uh, Jeff. We'll see you next week, my friend. Thanks, Ricky. Talk to you then, buddy. We'll see you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.